This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLB, TIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. A safe place for trans communities, our friends and our allies to share our experiences. We'll discuss our issues, our challenges and our successes. We'll occasionally make you cry and hopefully we'll educate and inspire you. Welcome to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. Good evening Melbourne, it is Transpositions Tuesday night here at Joy 94.9. It's also International Women's Day which is always a, a very reflective day as to how women fit into society and also trans women as well because, yes, some radical um, feminists will probably think that trans women aren't women. Yeah, look, sorry to say that, yes, we are. We are trans women. We are women. So International Women's Day is especially for people such as ourselves. And a big congratulations uh, to Sally Goldner for winning a very timely award for International Women's Day. So uh, congratulations to her being on the honour roll for women for 2017. So look, a little while ago, probably about a week and a half ago, uh, Michelle and I, we interviewed an amazing person, Andrea James, who's an advocate in the US. So we went and interviewed her and uh, we've got her on the show tonight. So really interesting interview. And we could have spoken for ages when we were talking to Andrea, but unfortunately, we just didn't have the time. Well, we had time, but we didn't have time to squeeze it into tonight's show. So you've got a bit of a slight condensed version. And it was before she came and spoke at, at an event in Sydney for Mardi Gras, which was the ice. IQ Squared. You are listening to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. Normally at this time of the show, we do the news. But something happened in last week's show that really ticked me off. And I want to say something about it. We always invite messages and comments to our show. We present this show to support the transgender community, to educate the wider community, and to foster inclusive conversation. We'd briefly touch on the subject of Caitlyn Jenner, someone I have very mixed feelings about. But during the show, we received a message from a listener. The message was six words. They were not Caitlyn Jenner, but Bruce Jenner. Now, I don't agree with her politics or the way she represents the transgender community. She has done some good to educate the wider cisgender community, but maybe she's transformed the transgender tipping point into a backlash against the transgender community. But that's just my personal view. This comment was not an affront to Caitlin, but to every single transgender person. This listener was suggesting that they think they know Caitlin's identity better than Caitlin herself. You see, the problem with this is simple. Ignorance builds contempt. And through ignorance of people such as Lyle Sheldon from the Australian Christian Lobby, who misled the audience of Quanda on the ABC Monday last week on numerous occasions. Australia's peak transgender health body, Anspath, refuted these claims, issuing a press release. I'm going to read part of it to you. Lyle suggested that the suicide rate in people who had undergone sex reassignment surgery was 20 times higher than that of the general population 10 years after having surgery. The implication was that sex reassignment surgery was not an effective treatment for gender dysphoria. 
And Aspath continued to say, What Mr Sheldon failed to state was the authors in the paper quoted several other studies that suggest that sex reassignment of transgender persons improves the quality of life and gender dysphoria. The authors went on to state, It is therefore important to note that the current study is only informative with respect to a transsexual person's health after sex reassignment. No inferences can be drawn from the effectiveness of sex reassignment as an effective treatment for transsexualism. In other words, the results should not be interpreted as saying that sex reassignment surgery per se increases morbidity or mortality. Things might have even been worse without sex reassignment surgery. The mental health problems associated with being transgender, including the higher risk of suicide, is not inherently due to being transgender itself, but due to the stigma, discrimination, exclusion and disadvantage inflicted by society. Society's views of transgender individuals is unchanged by an individual's decision to undergo sex reassignment surgery, hence the high suicide rate in the Swedish study, even post-operatively. However, society's negative views of transsexualism can be reinforced when misinformation and transphobic comments are broadcast on national television. These statements by Anspath were also affirmed by the ABC Fact Check Unit, The Conversation, who reached out to the authors of the Swedish studies, whose comments were congruent with those of Anspath. Our listener, he wished that transphobic and bigoted comment is an illustration of how an opinion can be formed from misinformation from a so-called Christian group instead of sharing compassion and understanding. No one chooses to be transgender. Trust me, this is the last thing that you want in your life. But funnily enough, transgender people are the most authentic people you will ever find. Transgender people have risked everything in their lives to be their authentic, true selves. But sadly, some people choose to be bigots. We have to debate our existence and validate our own identity, yet... It's a debate that cisgender people do not have to worry about. Today is International Women's Day, and some people in the feminist movement say that transgender women are not women. Yet trans women suffer the same, if not greater, levels of violence and oppression as cisgender women. This happened to my co-host on her way home after presenting the show last week, where at her train station, she was verbally abused by people saying, Over there, that's a she-man. No fucking way fucking serious she said the crowds laughed louder as i tried to catch up to her for a closer look as i discussed me it feels like a fucked up non-pc version of a david unbarrow special michelle has also had personal experiences one being a man sneakily taking a photo of michelle while he was having dinner with his girlfriend and a man on the city loop who was discussing it aloud if Michelle was a man or not. This is only a tip of the iceberg for transgender people. Try to imagine your life like that. No wonder the suicide rate for transgender people is so high with more than 40% of trans people attempting to commit suicide. Hate and rhetoric does not solve this. How do we fix this? How do we fix society? Education like the Safe Schools Coalition that educates kids in school about LGBTIQs. But sadly, some organisations and people want this to be defunded. A program that Victorian Minister for Equality, Martin Foley, says saves lives. Love thy neighbour as you love yourself. Seems strange to me that some people don't take their own advice. Like any other woman, we are the women we are today because of the other women we have met along our journey. Because of the negative issues we face daily in the trans community, Michelle and I have seen the toll that it takes at times, not just on others in the trans community, but also one another and the way it affects both her and I. Don't get me wrong, 
we are both very strong and independent women. But to reaffirm that strength we share, we take a conscious minute before each show to give one another a hug to remind each other of our courage that we are here for each other in this journey and to hell with the bigots and the haters. At the start of the show, Michelle and I, we spoke to, uh, uh, we spoke to Andrea James, who's a big uh, trans advocate in the US. If you've ever seen the film, um, oh God, the name escapes me, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like a complete fool. Uh, trans America, that's it. I'm losing my mind. She was actually one of the co-producers of that film, and she's actually right at the very start of the film itself. So I, I spoke to her, or Michelle and I spoke to her on Saturday last week, just gone, a bit of a while ago, before she flew into Australia for the uh, for the Mardi Gras festival. Uh, she participated at the Intelligence Squared uh, Ethics Centre debate, and she also was at the Gender Trailblazers, a part of the Mardi Gras festivals. I got to see her, got to meet her, and uh, she was an amazing person to speak to when Michelle and I spoke to her. Now, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on Transpositions. Now, you're coming to Australia to, to be involved with uh, Sydney Mardi Gras and a couple of the events which are occurring, one of which is the Intelligence Squared debate uh, by the Ethics Centre discussing gender. And you're also involved, involved with the Gender Trailblazers event as well. What sort of expectations do you have coming into these two events and what do you, exactly do you want to try and achieve? Well, first of all, thank, thanks for having me on your show and I'm very excited to come to Australia because I've never visited before. And uh, I think what I'm really hoping to do is pour a little oil on the water. You know, I, I think that a lot of activists get very passionate and that's important but that that activism involves a bit of mission creep and that you have to be willing to uh, work with people who disagree with you and not just fight with them and sometimes that's not easy but I think that having these kinds of discussions uh, has been very important in the past and will continue to be. So I'm going to have this interesting discussion about gender and personality and that kind of thing uh, in the context of some kind of outrageous things that have been said lately. And then I'm going to do a couple of uh, events where I kind of discuss my philosophy and my career. Now, Andrea, you and I had a bit of a brief catch up um, before we did this interview. And one of the things that came to light was not many people probably know who you are of the work that you've actually been involved in. And so I thought maybe we'd go and, and, and chat as well about who you, basically who you are, where you've come from, and then how you sort of gotten involved with this debate as well. Uh, well, my background is, as you can tell from the accent, I am American and grew up in the middle of America and, uh, you know, always knew that I was transgender. But at the time, there was very little information and certainly in the center of the country uh, that was very difficult to find. So uh, I went to college and then grad school, and it was in grad school that I really started to, I was in a big city in Chicago and uh, started to really think about, you know, what the rest of my life might look like, given my best shot at trying to live up to people's expectations and finally just um, let go of that and started transition. And this was in the, the mid-1990s, so right around the time that the internet got going. Um, I transitioned on the job. I worked in advertising. I used to write beer commercials and hamburger commercials and all that kind of nonsense. And uh, it was very good uh, in terms of the money I needed because all of my health care was out of pocket at the time. And for many trans people still is. Um, so transition on the job, that went fine. And uh, then I really started thinking about what I might be able to do because I'd had a relatively easy time in my transition to, to help others. So I started doing a lot of consumer activism. And in time, 
time that turned into media activism, and I started working with uh, Calpurnia Adams, who I met in Chicago, and we we started working together to try to change the way trans people are depicted in the media, and that has been an uphill battle that continues to this day. That was but, a, that was Deep oh, Stealth, wasn't it? The Deep Stealth yeah, Productions. Yes, yeah, yeah. so we founded a production company called Deep Stealth Productions, and uh, started producing instructional videos first and foremost because one of the things I did early on was create a how-to website on how to transition. And so a lot of our work was on making transition easier and safer and uh, less time-consuming and expensive for others. Uh, From there, we uh, started working on trying to change things within the Hollywood system, which has been very challenging. It was much more challenging than I thought it would be, especially at first. But over time, we're starting to see some gradual change and uh, you know these things are a process and that's that's what I've learned over time is that being an activist you're not going to get everything you want right away and sometimes it takes years and even decades. You spoke about a couple of different things one of which I sort of really picked up on was the financial marginalization that you experienced during your transition but also the introduction of your websites uh, I think Trans Roadmap is one of them when we start talking about the internet as being a really important part of the transition process for trans people how how did you start to get ideas on how you're going to produce that website and how you're going to try and communicate communicate out to a larger trans audience? Well, when I first got onto the internet, the service provider I was using closed at night. You know, it was like, okay, we're closing down now. Uh, say goodbye to the internet. And that was very common for consumers in the mid-1990s. And, but even at that time, I saw the potential for the internet to be an opportunity to create a community because trans people are spread out across the world and we don't have great numbers outside of big cities especially. So I saw that we could create a repository of information and several of us were doing the same thing, sort of creating what they call now these information silos of just facts and data about transitions so that other people could have a centralized place to get what they needed. You said you got involved working in some Hollywood films. Can you tell us a bit more about that, what you probably have worked on uh, and and how your involvement? Yeah, so after I met Calpurnia, um, and for those who don't know, uh, my business partner Calpurnia, who was actually down there last year for Trailblazers and Mardi Gras, is an entertainer and was a very well-known figure in Nashville. And over time, she she had established herself there and was dating this really lovely guy. And he was in the military. And uh, some of his mates in his unit murdered him because they were dating. It was a a big scandal in the United States because at the time there was a policy about uh, banning gay people in the military and uh, there still is effectively a ban on trans people but that's a different story. And uh, I saw how she was treated in the media. I felt like, you know, why am I selling hamburgers and beer when trans people are are getting treated so poorly in the media? So that got me thinking about it and then uh, there were two versions of of the incident that were being uh, produced as films and they were sort of competing with each other which is very common in development in Hollywood and uh, during that process Calperny and I started talking about you know maybe we should start thinking about making our own uh, media and going out and trying to help people who are doing trans related stuff get it right 
Joy. Now, as I said, we were talking and we are still talking to Andrea James and we are going to continue talking to her. I'm going to sort of continue the, the interview that we did with her. And as I said, really interesting person and, uh, yeah, really do like um, a lot of the things that she says. And um, she was on the I-squared, or Intelligence Squared debate with the Ethics Centre. That's going to be broadcast next month. It's going to be broadcast both on the BBC in the UK and also the ABC here in Australia. They're expecting an audience of something like about 70 million people, which is actually quite a substantial audience. So I'm going to continue the interview. Have a listen to it. You're listening to Transpositions. I'm going to play the continuation of the Andrea James interview. Andrea, I know myself here. I've been pulled aside on a few other shows uh, and talking about different trans issues. And one thing that seems to become two things that come up quite regularly in conversations with people who aren't transgender is usually Caitlyn Jenner. And the second these days has been the Danish girl. With the Danish girl, what was your interpretation? Like, what did you feel about the film? Did you feel that it, it, it should have been a trans woman playing the role? Did you have any involvement? Or was there any other films that you think stood out more as better trans representation? One of my readers had given me the book as a gift probably right around the time it came out. And, you know, I thought it was a very lovely book. And a lot of people in Hollywood were interested in making it into a film. And when we first got out there, Nicole Kidman was actually attached to play uh, the Danish girl. She was cast as the lead and we met her and this was probably 2005. And it seemed like that was at least a step forward in my opinion, you know, even though it's not a trans actor playing the part, I felt like it's better than having a non-trans male play a part like that. Uh, just because one of the, the cliches about trans people is that we are just men pretending to be women. And I feel like in some ways when a non-trans man like Eddie Redmayne plays a trans woman, that that's kind of the underlying message. But eventually, as happens with a lot of Hollywood productions, uh, she uh, Nicole Kidman dropped out and there were a lot of changes. And this is very common, you know, a, a lot of films take 10, even 15 years to get from development to the screens where you can see them. Most of the time whenever I do talk to somebody, they always ask about Caitlin. And I know it's a question that always seems to come up in a lot of different spaces, but someone in your position, I'm sure you'd have a more interesting sort of uh, perspective. We always seem to kind of hold the, the uh, opinion here that she did create a lot of awareness and really kind of helped push it. A lot of people seem to be more aware of trans issues because of her, but I know different people have different opinions about Caitlin. So just kind of curious where you stand on that. Yeah, well, the, the Caitlyn Jenner situation is unprecedented. I mean, in the history of our community, there's never been someone that well-known who has made a public transition. You know, before that, it was probably Chaz Bono, Cher's son, or maybe Lana Wachowski, or you have to go way back, you know, to someone like maybe Renee Richards, uh, the tennis player in the 70s. And so, so this is really terra incognita, both for our community and for, I think, the rest of the world. So I think in a lot of ways, it's been a really great opportunity. And do you think it's been her uh, position on, say, the Kardashians and stuff that's in everyone's face every day? Because you think in Chaz Bono, I mean, that, that's a pretty known person. You've got, you know, all these other big names we're mentioning, but Caitlin, of all people. Yeah, and I was also going to say, with this, all the constant media speculation and tabloid journalism that you have with TMZ and those kinds of news organizations or tabloid organizations, it is literally constantly in your face that hmm. it's it's there, it's happening. Yeah, the, uh, there are several challenges with Caitlin. First of all, anytime someone is brand new, 
new to transitioning gets thrown in the public eye, they're not really well prepared to be representative of that community. And so you expect a few stumbles and things like that. And I think there's so much riding on this that a lot of people are are unhappy with any number of things that, that Caitlin has said or done. I think that overall, it's a good thing because it's getting people talking, as you said. But I do have some concerns about the commodification of how trans people transition. You know, the way that Caitlin is presented and the way that she lives is very, very different than the vast majority of trans people who, you know, have virtually no assets, are often unemployed or underemployed because of significant discrimination. And to have this sort of person sort of involved in this very glitzy, superficial world do a transition makes it seem like that's what it's like for all of us. And I think that's that's the only downside uh, as far as I'm concerned is that there's, there's some misrepresentation that happens there. She says some crazy things with regards to some of her political views and how that impacts on the LGBT community. What's your take on that? Well, I think especially her position on gay marriage and a lot of those kinds of statements she's made are very unfortunate because they're, they seem like holdovers from someone who's never really thought that hard about those kinds of issues. And that's not uncommon for somebody who's a celebrity and has been, you know, since the seventies and they live in these sort of strange bubbles where they don't really connect with the rest of us and don't really understand the larger issues. So I think that disconnect is where a lot of those problematic statements are coming from. And the, the Caitlin thing is is interesting too because there's a lot of parallels with Renee Richards, the tennis star from the 70s. And I personally think that you can look at the Renee Richards transition and see the seeds of the backlash that started in the late 70s and continued through the mid-1990s for trans people. And so I have some concerns that we're at a similar moment right now that, that we've kind of reached what you might call peak trans and that, that now we're going to start to see some pushback because we've had so much progress. And that those cycles are, are very common in activism and history, but it's never fun when it starts to happen. Well, getting back onto some other representation throughout the media and, and the things that we see and the things you're involved in, has there been a film or a TV show, whether you're involved in or, or not involved in, that has probably been the best representation that you could recommend or something that's really stood out to you? I think my favorite film of all time about the trans experience is Ma Vie en Rose. It's a Belgian film from, I believe, 1997. Um, it's a really beautiful film about a child who is gender non-conforming and is sort of struggling to find uh, a place in the world. And it's beautifully done and it sort of shot as this fun fantasy, but it has a very serious side too. And one thing that was that uh, infuriating to me about it is that here in the United States, they gave it an R rating. And um, I think it's one of the, the real uh, outrages of our rating system here is that that film was not seen by as many people simply because of that rating. Sounds like we'd have a movie night, Maisie. <laughs> yeah, well, it does. Actually, well, well, talking about movies, actually, Andrew, there's obviously you've been involved with, with, with lots of movies and productions. I think one which really stood out to me, uh, which was really quite of interest out of everything that you've worked on in, in this country at the moment, it's quite timely. There was one called Bullied. Uh, where you were, where you played a part in that? Is that correct? Yeah, I, I had a small role where I played a lawyer who helped litigate a case in Wisconsin uh, where a student had been bullied 
so badly at school for being gay that uh, his case was taken up by a group called the Southern Poverty Law Center that does a lot of activism around legal matters involving minorities, uh, particularly uh, around race and sexuality. And the case really sent a message to school districts around the United States that this kind of bullying was uh, going to be uh, litigated against and was going to cost them money. And that really woke up a lot of schools to the seriousness of the problem. Joy 94.9. The, unfortunately, it has come to the end of the show, so we did really enjoy having Andrea as our special guest on Transpositions. And as I said, we did speak to her a little while ago. But as I said, look, as it isn't the show, you can message us during the week, transpositions at joy.org.au. We do like to get your messages. We are getting our podcast up online. Our podcaster, Colin, is doing an amazing job. Thank you so much, Colin. We really love all the great work that you do for us. Now, I'm going to say at the show tonight with similarly Alan, Somewhere Only We Know. Beautiful song. Great uh, female artist, so we're taking out the show with that tonight. Been listening to Transpositions on Joy. We'll speak to you next week. See you guys. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy94.9. Support Joy94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.